Turn with me this evening, please, to Mark's Gospel, chapter 13. I don't know to be exact which way to bring this message to you this evening, entitled The Exousia Trail and the Coming, or the Second Coming of Christ. And I say I don't know what way to bring this to you for the simple reason is that there's going to be a lot of maybe Bible study in it. We'll see how the Lord leads. And I want you to see scripture for yourself that you may read it and that you may understand what's going on. Bless the Lord. Mark's Gospel, chapter 13, beginning to read at verse 33. The Lord Jesus is the speaker. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants, and to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh, at even, or at midnight, or at cock crowing, or in the morning. Lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all. Watch, let us pray. Our Lord and Eternal Father, we just thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you that we can worship you tonight. And we can praise you and lift the name of Jesus up. We thank you, Lord, tonight that even though many are gathered here in this house, Lord, that even as we have left our several homes and our different circumstances and our abilities, Lord, are, are sometimes even hampered and held back by certain things and situations, Lord. We thank you that you are still sovereign, that you're still God on the throne, that you are still in control. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that we can come to you and worship you in spirit and in truth this evening. And we thank you for the precious blood of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, for these next few moments, will you make these scriptures living and real to us? Will you make them alive to the hearts and to the minds and to the lives of every single person in this house this evening? Glorify yourself, Father. Glorify your Son. Spirit of the living God, have your way. We ask it for Jesus' name's sake. Amen. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 13, just before or prior to our reading from verse 33, the Lord Jesus is talking expressly about the last days. He's speaking about the times which you live in and which I live in. He's speaking about tonight He's speaking about the world that's going on around us and the things that are happening 
all around the nations that we are to do with in 2012. The Lord Jesus tells us, for example, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 13, he says that in the last days, he says, you shall hear of wars, verse 7, and rumors of wars. Be ye not troubled, for such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be earthquakes in divers' places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows, the Lord tells us. All we need to do is turn on the television set. All we need to do is read the local newspapers. All we need to do is to look around us and listen for all of the things that are happening in our very day which we live. But there's always been earthquakes. But there's always been wars and rumors of wars. A nation has always risen up against nation, people say. And that's true. But things have escalated. Escalated to a greater degree than ever before in all of human history. Even the earthquakes are of a greater magnitude. And also they come swiftly and quickly one after another. The Lord Jesus was giving us signs and symbols and pictures of when he would return again. Not in the day or the hour. For the Lord says that no man knoweth the day or the hour in which he would return but the Father alone. He gives us another picture in verse 28. He says, Now I learn the parable of a fig tree, when her branch is yet tender, and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is near. So ye in like manner, when ye shall see these things, notice they are visible, we will see this. When ye see these things come to pass, know that it is nigh, even at the doors. The fig tree represents the Jews in Palestine. The fig tree spreading forth its leaves and its branches, it represents the Zionist Jewry who are now in Palestine or in Jerusalem. They are spreading forth their branches in world economy and in world affairs. Yet for fruit to be found on them, that is, them bowing the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ, we find there is foliage and no fruit. Jesus said in those days would be the generations which Jesus will return again. So after giving us this great sign of the parable of the fig tree, we go into our reading this evening. In verse 33, we're told, Take ye heed and watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. Notice that, friend, tonight. You and I do not know when Christ will return. You and I have no idea of the time, that is the exact time or date when Jesus will return. But he says, when the fig tree is there in Palestine, he says, that is a clear sign that the end is near. And then he says, take heed. You should be watching Christian. You should be praying Christian. You should be on tiptoe Christian, serving the Lord like every day was the day when Christ would return. 
And he says, take heed, watch them, pray, for you know not when the time is. Then he gives us a parable. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey. Notice that. Taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority unto his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. The Lord Jesus says, the Son of Man, speaking of himself, speaking of him as a man, the God-man upon planet earth, he says, I am as a man, and I am going to take a far journey. Need you to grasp this for what we're going to say. I'm going to go on a great journey. It's a far journey. He says, I am like a man who takes a far journey, who left his house. Jesus left the house of Israel. And Jesus left Palestine, that is the land of Israel. And he left, as it were, the temple that was to be destroyed and ruined. And he left the city of Jerusalem. And where did he leave them? Well, he went to the cross and he shed his blood and he died for our redemption. And he went to the tomb and he lay for three days and arose again, victorious over the grave. And then he ascended into the heavens to be our great high priest interceding at the right hand of the Father. And he will return again. And he's coming to set up his glorious kingdom upon this planet. Here we are told that Jesus says, I am a man as a man which taketh a far journey. I want you to go with me, if you have the time, to turn to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel 700 years. Notice the time scale. Daniel being 700 years before. He's in captivity. He's in Babylon. He's seeing visions. And God shows him the Lord Jesus Christ ascended into the heavens and taking a kingdom from his Father. Daniel chapter 7, beginning to read at verse 13. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days. And they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Here we are given a clear picture of the Lord Jesus Christ when he said in John chapter 14 and verse 1, You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Praise His name, He's coming again. Jesus will return. He's away to the Ancient of Days, the Heavenly Father of all creation on the universe. And He says He will return again. And He will take us to be where He is. Christ will catch us away to meet Him in the air. We will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. That's those of us who are redeemed. And we will return to rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ. So here we have Christ in Mark chapter 13. And he's telling us 
He says that he is as a man that taketh a far journey. He goes into the heavens. And notice what he says in verse 34. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants. Very, very important for what we want to say. And give authority to his servants and to every man his work. And commanded the porter to watch. The word servant here is the Greek word for doulos. Gives the idea of a slave. He gives slaves liberation, he says. He gives slaves authority. In other words, he says, when I ascended, you and I who were slaves to sin, and you and I who were slaves to the devil, and you and I who were slaves unto death, he has redeemed us and given us authority in the earth. He says that we are to become his slaves, taking his yoke upon him, for his yoke is easy and his burden is light, he says. He gives us authority that we may serve him. The porter whom he commands to watch were the apostolic band at the start. But that apostolic band were to preach the word of God with the great commission. And then those who were to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and receive him through blood, water and spirit. Born again and saved, not just church going men and women, blood washed and blood bought people. We are told they are the porters. The preacher is the porter tonight. The teacher of the word of God is a porter tonight. The teacher in the Sunday school is a porter tonight. The youth leader should be a porter tonight. No matter how old or how young they are. Brother and sister, listen carefully. You have a commission and you will answer for your work for Christ when he returns. And Christian, you will stand before the living God and give an account of the deeds done in the body, whether they be good or whether they be evil, to the bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ. How we have served him or how we have let him down when we should have served and we didn't serve. We will answer for every idle word and we will answer our Lord as we stand before him. Question for you, Christian. How is your walk with Jesus? Question for you, Christian. Are you going on with God? Are you trustworthy? That is, as far as man can be trustworthy in Christ. Are you faithful in service? For you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Here we have tonight, the Lord saying that he commands the porter to watch. See, if your preacher or your pastor or your minister isn't telling you of the second coming of Christ, he is going amiss. If your pastor or your teacher or your preacher isn't telling you that Jesus is coming and you better get ready, he is preaching amiss. His ministry has a blot in his ministry. Every child of God should be preaching the kingdom of God and the coming of Christ to this earth again. And if your minister or your teacher or your preacher or whoever you sit under is not teaching these things, he is teaching amiss. For Jesus says he commands 
the porter to watch. Watch for the signs of the times. Watch for the fig tree in Jerusalem. To watch for the wars and the rumors of wars. Nation rising against nation. To watch for the drying of the river Euphrates in 1917 to 23. To be able to tell you these things. That you may be prepared for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Here's the thing for you who are not a Christian, who are not saved. Here's something for you. If Christians as blood-washed, born-again believers will stand and give an account, not lose your salvation now. Not lose your salvation. But we will stand and give an account, Lord, this and this and this and that. Where will you stand, my friend? Not at the judgment seat of Christ, which is the beam of seat to receive reward. But you will stand at the great white throne of God where those whose names were not found written in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire. Where do you stand tonight? I want to take you for a few moments on a Bible study through the Exousia Trail. And when you look at this Exousia Trail, Christian, see yourself and ask yourself, do men know that I'm a child of God? Can women tell that I love the Lord Jesus Christ? How does my life portray to others? Do they see me up one down and down, up one day and down the next? Do they see me that I'm always walking with a long face and no joy in my heart? What way do people perceive me belonging to Christ? How's my conversation, my lifestyle? How's my mouth speak? How's my actions? Do I love them? See yourself Christian, for you have a responsibility with the gospel. People shrug off and throw away responsibility in 2012. Responsibility is too much liability. But when you and I hear the gospel, we're all responsible before God to take what God has given you, to take what God has placed in you, Christian, and to take the authority of God and use it for his honor and for his glory. Let's go to John chapter 1 and verse 12, please. Chapter 1 and verse 12. We find that we are in what's known as the Laodicean church period. From Revelation chapter 3, when the Christians are lukewarm, they're neither hot nor cold. And Jesus says, you make me want to spew you out of my mouth. I'm sure he's not speaking to any Christian in Donna Elam tonight. John chapter 1 and verse 12, let's read it. But as many, not every, as many... But as many as received him, that is received Christ, as many as received him, to them give he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. The word believe is pistule. And it gives the idea of those who have faith from the deep inner regions of their being. And believe him with all their heart. Is this salvation just a whimsical thing? 
something you pick up and drop down when we want it. Is this Jesus someone you try for a Sunday and put on the suit? Or is Christ in your life 24-7? You see, in our reading in Mark 13, stay where you are and I'll just mention this. In our reading in Mark 13, when we're told that the Lord gave authority to his servants, the word authority is the word exousia in the Greek New Testament. In the original language, it is the word exousia. The word here, but as many as received him, to them give he the power to become the sons of God. The word power to become. Power is also the word exousia. Now let me explain this for a moment. There are many English words that could be picked up and used for one Greek word. Same with the Hebrew language. The language is so rich that we need more words to express ourselves than the Greek, ancient Greek language and the Hebrew language, ancient Hebrew. For example, the word exousia in the King James, the proper translation. Just like to say that every now and again. In the King James, the AV version of God's word, the word here, exousia, is used 103 times. 103 times. You'll be glad to know we're not looking at them all tonight. For example, our English word power, as in, but as many received him, to them give he the power or the exousia to become the sons of God. Power is used 69 times for the word exousia. The word authority, he gave authority to his servants, is used 29 times for exousia. The word right, to give a right, is used two times for exousia. Liberty is used once. Jurisdiction is used once. And strength is used once. All for the same Greek word exousia. So what does this word exousia mean as we go further on its trail? Exousia means the right, the power, the privilege, the authority, the strength, the ability, the jurisdiction, the potency. Let me give you an example. But as many as received him, to them give he the power, the exousia, to them give he the right. He gave the privilege. He gave the authority. He gave the strength and the ability. He gave the potency to make them the sons of God. Even to them that believe in his name. Can I ask you tonight, are you saved? No messing about tonight. Let me be blunt. I love you, but let me be blunt. It's too important. Are you saved? Is this just church? Are you saved? You see, the difference is here, those whom are saved, that believed on his name, who have received this authority as sons of God on the earth. 
You and I mean, that means you and I have authority in Jesus' name to preach the kingdom, to preach God's glory, to go out and lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Have you prayed for someone recently? I'm not talking about getting down on your knees in your bedside and God bless Auntie Aggie's sore toe. Have you went to someone and says, we believe Jesus saves and Jesus heals and prayed for the sick? That's the authority in Jesus' name. We all have a right and a privilege and an authority until he returns again. You and I should be acting You and I should be moving in the spirit according to the word of God and the authority of Jesus' name. Folks, here's the thing. You and Christ are righteous. When you're saved, you're righteous. The devil can claim all he wants on you and he has no right. He can say you're a great sinner and a failure and he might be right in many ways, but... There is nothing in you that God will see when he looks at you. For you're in Christ and Christ is in you. You are righteous in Christ. You are justified fully and completely in Christ. Just as if you'd never sinned. But you're also a child of God in Christ. Here we have the exousia trail. Let me go on and show you something. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says in verse 18, he gives a great commission and he says, all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Jesus said that. Now you're in Christ and Christ is in you. All exousia is given unto me. Jesus says, the Father hath given me the kingdom. What did Daniel 7 say? He seemed more like as the Son of Man riding in the clouds of glory, coming to the Ancient of Days to receive for himself a kingdom, having dominion and power. Christ has the dominion and the power. And it's his name and his blood and his righteousness that you and I are in right standing before the Ancient of Days. We are the children of the living God. We are the children of kingdom with kingdom power. I want to show you something in this trail also. Acts chapter 26, please. Acts chapter 26. The Apostle Paul is he's preaching to Agrippa. Now, in case you don't know who King Agrippa is, King Agrippa is the great-grandson of the evil King Herod. And Herod was the one who wanted to kill the Lord Jesus Christ and slayed all the babies under two years old, the infants. This is his great-grandson, The Apostle Paul is now standing before him, giving an account. He's giving an account of his conversation to Christ and his calling by Christ into ministry. Let's look at Acts chapter 26, verse 13. He says, At midday, O king, 
I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of the things which thou hast seen and of those things the which I will appear unto thee. Now keep your Bibles open. Jesus appears to Saul of Tarsus. He's persecuting the church. And Christ comes and he says, I have shown you, but if you walk in faith, And if you trust in me, I will show you more things to come. I will reveal myself unto you. My Christian, the more you walk in faith, and the more you walk in the Lord, and the more you seek his face, and the more you read his word, and the more you cry and pray unto him, he will reveal himself unto you. Now, this is important. Let's read this. There is his commission, delivering thee from the people and from the, the Gentiles, the nations, unto whom I now send thee. Listen to this. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. I want you to go for men are dying in their sin. I want you to preach my word. I want you to be my child on the earth who will move with kingdom power and authority and the very gospel, the words I place in thy mouth. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Listen to what he says. To open their eyes. Oh, that your eyes would be open tonight, friend. That you would see the Christ of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. To open their eyes and to turn them, that is, to cause them to turn away, to repent of their sin, to turn them from darkness to light. Notice, and from the power of Satan. You know the word power is there? Hexousia. And let me place this for easy reading for you. To open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power or the exousia, or the privilege that Satan has to hold you, or the authority that Satan has over you. The ability of Satan, he says, has grasped the souls of men. Unsafe friend, If you're outside of Christ tonight, Satan has you. And he has a right to claim you. It's his privilege to take you to hell. The world father gave a son that Satan would have no power over you. That you would have the chains of darkness broken from you. Set free by the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ who gave his life for you. 
And friend, Satan's exousia, his authority is in your life. Whether you even know it or not, for your eyes are blinded. I want to show you something. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3 says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Notice that. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, that is Satan, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. How do you know God? In the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus is God with a face. Do you want the exousia from God to have the right, the power and the privilege to enter in to the very presence of Almighty God to be free from sin and Satan? Or would you rather stay on the side of Satan and have him hold over you? Turn with me. Time is marching on. I want you to turn with me, please, to Another verse, Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. Giving thanks unto God the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now listen, people think the saints in light gives the idea of some bodies full of light somewhere in the heavens and our inheritance is there. That's not what the Greek New Testament means, folks. It doesn't mean a future glory. It means that we have an inheritance now, here, tonight, as believers in the earth. If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin, the Bible tells us. We have an inheritance here on the earth. And the inheritance that we have is birthed in heaven and given by the grace of God to you and I. Listen to verse 13. Who hath delivered us from the power, the exousia, the right, the privilege, the ability, the strength of Satan. The power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. See the word translate? Translate it gives the idea of taking someone out of one situation and putting them in another. You're in darkness and bound by Satan and sin. And you're bound on the road of eternal damnation. And God comes in his grace and his mercy. And he lifts us and he takes us and plants us in the kingdom of his dear son. Or as the Greek New Testament says, in the kingdom of the Son of His love. Christ is the Son of the Father's love. And when you are in Christ, when the Father looks at you, He looks at you through Jesus. And He loves you the way He loves the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that tremendous? When you're back toward Him in your life and filth and debauchery and sin, 
I don't have any sin. If any man sin, he is a liar and the truth is not in him, the scripture says. When you had your back toward him, he loved you. He gave himself for you. When he looks at me, yes, with my failures and my faults, I know everybody thinks I'm perfect, but I'm not. And he looks at me, he sees no spot nor blemish. Not a wrinkle in his face. Well, there's a few now. But he sees nothing. When he looks at me in Christ, he just sees Jesus. When he looks at you out of Christ, he sees your sin. And the darkness that binds you, and he still loves you. He wants to save you. Let me go on briefly and quickly. We have so much here. I don't want to go much further tonight. I think we've said plenty. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of our sin. See here the power, the exousia of darkness. It gives the idea of a tyrannical, lawless, unrestrained darkness having the right the power the privilege the authority the strength the ability the potency and it speaks of being tyrannical over your life sir we send our troops into countries that we don't need them to be in young men to die and come home in caskets we're forward to liberate people from tyrants And the biggest tyrant in the universe is holding your soul tonight. He's holding you. And Jesus wants to set you free. He wants to send in the army. He wants to have you come under his blood and be righteous in Christ. Let me round this up for you. Turn with me, please, to our book of Revelation, to the finish and the coming again of our Lord. We could do something this another time. Your attention has been tremendous. Revelation chapter 12, please. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. Now the Roman Catholic Church says this is, this is Mary or else this is them themselves. Friend, I want to tell you something. This is Israel. Genesis 37, Joseph sees this, uh, the, the moon and the stars all bowing down, the 11 stars to, his, to him. We'll not go into that tonight, but here is the Lord Jesus coming from that. And there's war throughout the whole time, right up until this very moment. War for the souls of men. Look at verse 10 says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God. Notice, and the power of his Christ, the exousia, the right, the privilege, the authority of his Christ. 
For the accuser of our brethren, that is Satan himself, the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. I think of those being eaten alive by lions of the early church. They loved not their lives unto death. Their plea was the blood of Jesus. I think of the fires of Smithfield when the reformers were burned at the stake. For the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. They loved not their lives unto death. And I think of 2012 when Christians can't get out of bed to come to break bread. The kingdom of our God and the exousia, the power of his Christ sets men and women free. His kingdom, will you be in it? Revelation 20. Revelation 20. Revelation 20, verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the dragon. That old serpent which is the devil and Satan and bound him a thousand years. This is the coming of Christ. That man taking a far journey is now returning. His authority, his exousia and his servants, they have been ministering in his name and people are being saved and healed and born again of spirit, water and blood. And Satan is bound a thousand years when Christ returns. Verse 3 says, And cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was giving, given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads, or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. Notice, This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. On such the second death, in other words, has no right. On such the second death has no privilege, has no strength, has no ability. Friend, if you're in the first resurrection, the resurrection of the just, you will be able to claim as the children of God the exousia authority of Jesus Christ because you're his child. And you'll be caught up to meet the Lord and changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And Christ will return, bind up Satan. That's the first resurrection. After we have lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years, He is loosed again. And look what happens as we round this up. Verse 10. And the devil that deceived them were cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. 
where the beast and the false prophet are, and they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and the grave or hell gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. See, if your minister isn't telling you that, he's preaching a mess. See, if your pastor isn't preaching that, he's preaching a mess. See, if he's not warning you, friend, even if you fall out with me, I don't care. I will be able to stand before you and before God in that day. And your blood will not be in my skirts. For you have heard the word of God. But if you get saved tonight, the exousia of the second death has no right over you. It has no privilege to call you. You will live and rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ. Something to get excited about. It's something for me to shout about. Sure you shout every week, you say. Just trying to keep us awake. Folks, Christian, you have the authority of the Son of God, a child of God. It's time you started serving and being faithful for Christ will return and we'll ask you what you've done with it. Go down to that wee woman and ask her, do you know the Lord? Go down to that man and say, can I pray for you? Just kneel down beside him, lie prostrate on the floor if you have to. Go and serve him with all your heart. And love him with all that you are. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for listening to God's word. And may you get right with God tonight. For the man that taken the far journey is even at the doors. God bless you this evening. I'm puffed out after that. I don't know what to do. Bless the Lord.